0: I really believe that the most precious resource we have is our time. Mm-hmm. And often when you're young, you don't see that. You mm-hmm. think you've got endless amounts of time. Whereas, actually, that's the most precious resource. You can always earn more money, you cannot earn more time. So, I, uh, the older I get, the stingier I get about my time. <laughs> yeah, <bet laughs> nice. I don't know how you guys got a podcast. That's uh, what I was just thinking, actually. <laughs> so, you know, just saying. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton.
2: G'day, my name is Adam Jones. We just interviewed Naomi Simpson.
1: So, Naomi Simpson is also a shark on Shark Tank Australia. So, we spoke to Janine Ellis earlier in the year. So, Naomi Simpson founded a company called Red Balloon, which is all about experiences. She sold three or four million experiences now. So,
2: it's a serious... Australian success story. Mm, she's the number one person followed on LinkedIn. Mm. So if you're from the US and you haven't heard of her, she's yeah, she's a juggernaut in, she's a in big, Australia. Yeah,
1: I'd say she's yeah, absolute weapon,
2: mate. It was I was about to swear. Yeah, fuck it's <laughs> <laughs> it fucking great stuff. Really enjoyed it.
1: She's obviously uh, she yeah, seriously knows her stuff. She's got a lot to share for anyone looking to get into business, and also phenomenal energy. Just she seems to be. Uh, Seriously embracing the entrepreneur lifestyle and really taking it in a stride.
2: Yep. Guys, hope you enjoy like we did. Uh, Here is Naomi Simpson.
0: Naomi Simpson, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Adam, for having me. <laughs> We've got, a, obviously,
1: a copy of, of your books here, uh, and there's a whole bunch of questions we want to get into. Great. Uh, but you started as an employee and made your way across to becoming an entrepreneur. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, about that story?
0: Well, basically, I was a lousy employee, so if I wanted <laughs> to have a job, I'd better start my own company. Yep. I mean, it's an awfully long time ago, but it does... I, I was reflecting yesterday. It's 20 years since I years. left a good, solid job with guaranteed income yeah. and an expense account <laughs> to go out into the wide world and wonder. Yeah, so here I am 20 years later. Yep.
1: Why, we, why were you a lousy employee?
0: I was a I lousy we... employee because I was push, push, push all the time. And I didn't necessarily bring people with me on the on the journey as I still am. That was my fundamental. I've always asked the question, why, why do we do it like that? And that actually might've been quite offensive to some of my colleagues.
2: Mm -hmm. Cool. So toward the start, what kind of skills did you learn in your corporate career and how are they relevant for you at the moment as an entrepreneur?
0: I think it was really great to understand how businesses work. Um, The importance of process. I am so interesting and exciting, aren't I? The importance (laughs) of having governance, (laughs) consistency, compliance. Actually, if you think about it differently, it's about building the framework and the foundations for a business. If you really want to have a big business, you've got to actually Mm. think as if you are a big business and put in place the essential things. And some of those things are not very exciting or interesting, and they're often things people don't think about, like owning your IP. Yeah,
1: okay. Well, I guess there's probably a lot of people who might be thinking... That sounds good. I'm a bit of a lousy employee, so maybe I should be an uh, entrepreneur instead. Yeah, but you might hate but... yourself. When you, <laughs> yeah. you employ yourself, <laughs>
0: exactly. you might go, I'm still lousy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Do you have ideas about who you think could and should or, or could and, couldn't and shouldn't make that move? And I guess how would someone know?
0: Well, I think if you want, an, if you want a nice life, mm. don't start your own business. <laughs> <laughs> I've, you know, some people actually just don't want to work that hard. They want to have a nice life, know what's going to happen every day, be guaranteed of an income mm. and feel safe and secure. Uh, and you could get at that in small business as well. But being an entrepreneur is about taking risks. It's about mm. doing things other people haven't done before. And an entrepreneurial life is definitely not for everybody, which is what I talk about in Ready to Soar. Mm. Because there's no getting out. Like I've tried to find myself many, many times, <laughs> and I still keep showing up because I have to. You know, there's no there's no easy out.
1: Mm. Mm. Is it still? Um, you said you know something safe and comfortable. Is it still comfortable and safe out there in the as an employee? I
0: do, I, look, I don't know, but uh, you know, I I think if you. No, as an employee if you know what your job is if you know what success is and you're good at it Mm. I think ultimately there will be some level of security Mm -hmm. in that we do hear a lot about the disruption of the middle class but I believe if people know the contribution you make and you never forget the customer when you're inside an organization people will see the value that you contribute so mm. I've had this conversation before mm. when people are talking about, well, how do I ask for a pay rise? Well, make sure you equate your value to the customer experience and how you add value to the organisation and you're probably going to get a better ear.
2: Yep. Nice. So say for the person who's right now at their work and they might be listening at work and they're not really getting full satisfaction from their um, life as a corporate employee, do you recommend that they, say, burn the boats and quickly you know, launch into their first business or do you recommend maybe pursuing some kind of side hustle or doing it on the side and, you know, pursuing different side projects?
0: I'm absolutely clear. The number one thing they should do is get a copy of my book, Ready to sort yes. and read it. <laughs> now, I say that kind of facetiously, but I wrote that book, all 84,000 words of it... To answer that question, because it's actually not an easy question. Some people, it is a project on the side. Some people, they need to be all in. Mm. But what you don't want to do is find yourself in so much financial stress that you aren't able to be creative and take risks in your entrepreneurial life. So the first thing to do if you want to start your own business is start to learn to do without. You know, what is it? No more... Um, avocado on uh, <laughs> up, yeah. and you know <laughs> uh, cocktails at the bar you know actually you've got to learn to do without
1: yeah. uh, i guess you we were in reading ready to saw you said some of the experiences an employee especially early on were uh, you had these great ideas that you thought would work really well but it was more you no know, this is what you have to do and this is what you're told to do and i guess for us both you know a year or two into our working careers we think we're we think we're awesome and <laughs> we think we've got these I'm grand... I'm sure your parents grand, do too. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. We could have a fan club. <laughs> but, uh, but how do you balance uh, wanting to do more and wanting to give more versus doing what you have to do or doing what you're told? And obviously understanding that you are new and there are people with 10, 20 years experience who probably know better than Well, it's not years. about
0: knowing better. In fact, I'm really clear that just because I've been around for such a long time doesn't mean, mean mm. I know better. But what I always do is say... I speak on behalf of the customer. What is the customer saying? So sometimes my I will come up with an idea or somebody in the team will come up and they say, what do you think of this? And I'll say, I actually don't know, but let's put it through our cu- to yeah. our customers. So recently we were changing a line of copy for Red Balloon Positioning and I came up with something I thought was fabulous, absolutely <laughs> fabulous. Um, and the team wasn't really sure. So we put it to my huddle. We put it to, um, you know, which is our private Facebook group for small businesses that people can get to if they um, get an invitation from com. So if they go there, they'll get the invitation and then um, – but I – I put it there and let, uh, I actually let this kind of cohort of mm. people who get me and understand me and have been part of the journey so they're not just going to be random about it and they do actually care. Um, our huddlers are very um, they're very loving and very connected and they're very supportive of each other and me and so and they told me and actually my idea was crap It's fine because I put it to the people so I think I, it's not my way or the highway That that's the difference between persistence and um, pig-headedness mm. so pig is my way of the highway. Persistence about I see the North side I know I need to do something differently, but allow me to listen and adjust mm. what I need to do to ultimately get to the goal. Mm. And I think that's really important.
2: So what unique things do you do in your in your businesses to create the work culture that so that people can actually question the people at the top and you know keep everyone accountable so everyone can push Because I know walking through here it was we're at Red balloon offices now and it's such a, it seems like a really cool culture compared to some of the other cultures that are in, in corporate. So what's the difference or the things that you um, put in here?
0: There's a time for planning and a time for ideation with, you know, and ideas and there's a time for actually just doing the work. Mm. Uh, and uh, what we do do is make sure that we're capturing ideas and we use a bunch of... Um, software platforms for that. So idea, idea, idea. And then when we go into a planning process, we kind of look at those ideas. We see if there's a relevant business case and then they may or may not go into the plan. But once we've done the plan, Actually, we just need to do the work. There's no time for ideas now. Otherwise, you never get to where you're going. And we have a six-month planning cycle. So we'll be going back into planning in um, January after we've done Christmas. But literally right now, every single idea is just being put in a Google Doc and we'll get to them then. It's not the time for ideas for us. Christmas is all about selling fabulous red balloon (laughs) experiences for Christmas. (laughs) Nice.
1: I love it. Uh, Some of our questions before probably sounded a little bit loaded. Um, But you were definitely... um, positive in the book of that the corporate career did help uh, for sure. And is it, uh, I guess I'm sort of still curious to know is how much benefit are we getting from corporate career and is it, you know, should we be there for three years, for 10 years, how much, obviously it's going to be an individual case, but how do you know when you've learned everything that you can learn from that corporate and you've got enough to apply to having a crack at your own thing?
0: I suggest you'll know if you're bored. Yeah? Yeah, if you're not really excited to go to work or you find it's harder to get out of bed, you just begin to think, mm. is this where I want to spend my energy? Mm-hmm. I remember in my, th- was my 30s, it's a long time ago, whatever one it was, <laughs> but I remember thinking, gosh, these are the best years of my life. I've I've been in business for 10 years or so. Where do I want to give my energy Uh, And especially as you go into family and your priorities begin to change, you go, wow, I've got unencumbered time. I can give it to any particular activity. Where am I going to do that? I really believe that the most precious resource we have is our time. Mm -hmm. And often when you're young, you don't see that. You Mm -hmm. think you've got endless amounts of time, whereas actually that's the most precious resource. You can always earn more money. You cannot earn more time. So, I, uh, the older I get, the stingier I get about my time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you guys are. No, that's what I was just thinking, actually. <laughs> so, you know, just saying. Because I do. I get really stingy with my time because I have to focus on what I want to get done. Uh, so, I think that there is a natural evolution to that if you get there. But, if, you know, somebody's going to lead these enterprises, and you might find, well, that's actually where mm. I'm. I, I want to influence bigger audiences and bigger people, and I can do it inside a big business. Mm. I, there is no one way. And I promise you, I think there's a little bit too too much stardom around this whole entrepreneur yeah. thing um, and startups. A lot of people are going to lose a lot of money yeah. and um, and not every idea is great. There's more startups now than there's ever been before. The ecosystem and people are chucking money at it mm. without necessarily really understanding the exit, the outcome, and money is not the answer.
2: Yep. Mm. One of my favorite parts of the book was toward the start and where you just did say, you know, you only got one shot at life, you only got a fixed um, amount of time and mm. – if you are lying down there and you're not feeling fully alive, just, you know, just get up. And as you say in your title, ready, ready to store. So Mm -hmm. there's something kind of, you know, my favorite part of the book that kind of moves me a bit as well. So,
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's funny because when I wrote it, I was so clear on every person who stops me in the street or sees me in a restaurant or on an aircraft or going through an airport who stops me and says, I've got this business idea. Yeah. <laughs> and when, when they ask us that, and I say ask because there's five sharks, obviously, on Shark Tank, uh, or any entrepreneur who has a successful business, we all get this question from family and friends. And it's a really responsible um, role we play because if I say oh that sounds good they might spend the next Mm. 17 years of their life and all their money working on it when (laughs) oh Naomi said it was going to be good when actually I don't know it's just being nice Mm. so I I don't think our role is to be nice none of us are nice on the show we don't intend to change that Mm. our job is to really challenge people so you know if you're not prepared to read a book before starting a Mm. business mate you're never going to make it (laughs) It's really hard work. I learn incessantly. I never stop. I read articles. I go to conferences, to seminars. All the time, I'm just trying to expand my mind. Mm. I think the older I get, the more I realise how little I know.
1: Yeah. Mm. Wow. We've read uh, a lot of books, been to a lot of seminars. Um, that's where we saw you as well. At a, I, think it was, I think it was a Tony Robbins um, a, a seminar um, where you spoke Oh, yeah, beforehand. me and Tony, like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But we always, in all these books, all these seminars, everything you hear on TV... Uh, it's all about the guy who uh, was you know, one paycheck away from bankruptcy or they were, you know, they quit everything, they were living on the couch, they were eating two-minute noodles, but eventually it, it worked. Is there cases where they've invested everything, they've taken on hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt, they tried everything and they went bust and then they, we never hear from them again? They, they must be out there, hundreds we, of never, them, hundreds we don't Hundreds of see
0: them. them. I think what's more interesting is culturally where does entrepreneurship come mm. from? And I try to talk about that in Ready to Soar. Australia is is by nature entrepreneurial because we've always been so far away. If we want it, we've got to invent it. Mm. As a nation, disproportionately, we have more patents, more uh, inventions than anywhere else. So rather than looking at the guy who was sitting there with the noodles, it's more the guy who was sitting there with the noodles and go, mate, life's got to be better. Mm. So when we look at how our economy and the global economy is going to shift – as our population increases, you know, from 7 billion to 8 billion to 16 billion people that mm. we can now sustain, entrepreneurship will be alive and well mm. in countries that don't have infrastructure. So India, Brazil, China, they're all entrepreneurs because that's how they've survived. You know, they take a bit piece of cloth, they pour it, you know, they rip it in half and they sell it for the same amount. That's, Or they get a sewing machine and they start making something. So entrepreneurship is actually what will create growth. But my concern is actually about the middle class who don't understand commercial acumen. In fact, it's those who don't have much really get commercial acumen. They understand mm. the value of every single dollar and their energy, whereas I think it's this middle class that really um, will struggle to understand about return on time invested. Mm. Yeah.
2: So you talk about all the the books and seminars and, you know, all the kind of development you're still consuming. Do you think it gets to a point where you're just consuming too much of that stuff and not not doing anything? And, And where do you think the balance is between actually doing stuff and then just, you know, just consuming and consuming kind of books and all that kind
0: of... Kind you of can answer. get to analysis by paralysis and yep. you can think that you're looking for an answer. There's no answer. So we're at Christmas now for Red Balloon and it's a very exciting time and lots of people coming and And my CFO just asked me, she said, tell me, what's the one thing? Why are we so, why is it all happening right now? What's the one thing? And I said, mate, it's not one thing. Mm. So, and it's the same is that I don't mm. know which piece of gold I will pick up just in the right moment that I need it so actually i'm a gatherer and one of the reasons i wrote my blog was to gather information of things that i was learning so i could use it as an ancillary brain and go back to it when i needed it because i might mm-hmm. not need that information now yeah. but i might need it down the track and you know sometimes i search my own blog to go oh did i meet such and such like peter de he wrote <laughs> the book um i literally looked at he wrote the book um uh, oh, if I could remember the name, that would be Which far was more interesting. Say Peter D. Manders. Yeah, yeah. he wrote um, um fold and, and
2: abundance. Abundance. Yeah. abundance. I
0: love that book, Abundance. But I was—I literally had to research and say, "Did I meet him?" And yes, I did. I <laughs> oh, met wow. him yeah. in yeah. Istanbul, in Turkey. <laughs> so there you go. So that's my ancillary brain. If everyone wants to know what it's like inside an entrepreneur's brain just uh, subscribe there. <laughs> it's a scary place, but never mind.
1: That's yeah. awesome. Another big, um, a big point I think. Is optimism um, sometimes maybe just just complete optimism versus facing reality? Whereas there's a, I think there's a very fine line between uh, this is not working and this is not working yet. Mm. You in the book, I think you said two months and four days before your first sale. How long do you reckon you could have held out until you realised um, maybe this is not maybe this is not the answer?
0: Yeah, um, that's where my pig-headedness comes in because I was never giving never. up. Never, yeah. I was never giving up and that's because I was getting enough anecdotal information that this was a really great idea. As you know, I also launched three weeks after September 11. Mm. There couldn't have been a worse time Mm, to launch the business uh, to talk about fun and happiness and no one was interested. So so I was getting too much anecdotal information that it was going to be okay. I just needed to learn how. I didn't know how. I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know how to run a dot-com. And I just had to find out as fast as I possibly could. But no one did. So, mm. And there was none of this fabulous ecosystem we have now for startups. Nothing. Yeah. nothing what about like the guys
1: it? you say so you, you meet at the airport and maybe yeah, they think, oh, your yeah, name says this is a great idea, so I'll spend 17 years on it. Where, is there a way to tell that, that fine line between giving up and – not giving up but moving on to the next thing or yeah. taking that next step?
0: It, so – I have a really fundamental thing that I look at when I'm on Shark Tank, which is, um, so you want to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Can you articulate what that problem is? How many people have that problem? Where do people with that problem hang out? And how expensive is it to access those? And if you can't answer those mm-hmm. questions, you might be trying to solve a problem that isn't really a problem mm-hmm. and people aren't prepared to pay for. So it's only the customer Kind of journey that you will, it's customers who tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes people will find a problem that isn't really a problem. I mean, there was a gorgeous one, and I, I never Speak badly of anybody who has the guts to yeah. come on Shark Tank, but there was a woman who had invented something to find pets. I've got a puppy at the moment, and you know it was this Q code that you downloaded the mm-hmm. app, and then everybody Absolutely. had to have the app and all the things. and And Janine just said, "Well, why, why don't you just put your mobile phone number on the tag, on yeah. the tag?" So <laughs> in other words, it was almost like she was looking for a solution. But was it a real problem? Yeah. Um, she saw it as a problem, but then how many other people did that and accessing them? the the expense of accessing mm. them may be way too much, way too large to actually justify. It's not going to be commercial success, mm. but it doesn't mean you know. I think anybody who has a crack is great. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah love Very it. Nice. So that so if you wanted to answer some of those questions that you said about what the customer really wants, what are some ways to go about it? Do you recommend, you know, going direct? Uh, cold calling or just doing some ads or how would you go about doing that
0: a cold calling is a good one that's what steve did like steve literally was knocking on people's front doors saying would you like to be on the world wide web and as we know he created an incredible mm. isp which he exited but you know he connected hundreds of thousands of people to mm. the internet the way he did that was by knocking on front doors so i don't i you know understanding that customer experience never it, it, it will always serve you The thing is that um, also Henry Ford said if I had asked my customers... They would have asked for a faster horse. So sometimes people can't imagine. So at that point, you need to show them a minimal viable product. You need Mm. to be able to say to them, look, this is what it could look like. This is what it could be like. You know, those first years at Red Balloon when we sold, you know, 300 experiences in the first year because people didn't understand what it was. And Mm. it was actually when people were given a red envelope, they got it. They used it and they go, actually, this really works. And that was our job. It had, Even if I had have taken a whole lot of funding and got more money, I couldn't have grown my business anymore because I had to prove that it was real, especially being online in those days because there was tr- distrust for the internet. So, mm. you know, some businesses, you ca- it's, it's not a ma- it, it just takes time to build trust and to build trust for the brand and mm. what it is.
1: Nice, lovely. And in the book, you talk about uh, taking opportunities and being ready to, if there's an opportunity presented Uh, take it i guess how do people learn to or practice or get in the habit of uh, firstly recognizing opportunities and secondly taking them what do they actually do when they if they think oh this is an opportunity what do i do now
0: yeah um i think back to your earlier question a lot of people ask their family and friends some people won't talk to anybody they go it's my idea i don't want to share Mm. it what would happen and then there's others who ask their family and friends family and friends just want you to feel happy and they mm-hmm. think if they say nice things to you, you will be. Yeah, <laughs> uh, And that might not be the best thing. So um, I think when you've got an idea, you know, I would first of all look at where is that industry? Who is in that industry? Do I have expertise? There's some really clear kind of guides in Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, and he talks about the fact of what do you want to be the world's best at Mm. and can you be the best at that? And so, as I point out in Ready to Saw, there's a lot of kind of soul-searching and what is my secret power? What would make me world-famous? And really understanding what that could be. And you you might just be world-famous in Balmain or world-famous, you know, it doesn't have to be global, um, and when people pitch ideas, you probably I know you've got this down the track, but when people pitch <laughs> the ideas is... And I'm just trying to cut the interview short. Clearly, you know, <laughs> I'm rushing to the end questions, questions. But yeah. <laughs> clearly, um, when people uh, pitch, their job is to create excitement, relevance, but also not to overpromise. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you overpromise, mm-hmm. you lose your integrity and your authority with the person you're pitching to. So, you know, when I was... Um, uh, it was two o'clock in the morning. It was the after after party of the Logies, <laughs> and Richie the bachelor comes up to me and says, "I've got this fabulous business idea." <laughs> oh, no. And I was standing, <laughs> and I was standing with Waleed and Peter Hillier, and uh, and actually I think it was Gary from um, MasterChef that we were all standing there. And Richie came up and he he said, "I've got this amazing business idea," and I go, and he said, "I don't want to tell you what it is." Oh no, right <laughs> now. It but it will be bigger than Facebook. (laughs) And I go, oh, okay, so can I just coach you on your pitching and say, just never say that because instantly you've lost authority and credibility because Facebook, you know, Google, Amazon, these are one in a billion chances Mm. that you will have the resources, the capacity, the vision. Uh, and the moment and mm. in time to create such an enterprise. So uh, he said, Well, can I tell you um, at another time? And I said, Yeah, sure. And <laughs> so um, he put my number in his phone, and like all young people, he then. ...checked if it was really my phone and then <laughs> called the number straight away... ...and of course I just laughed. <laughs> so he did call me afterwards um, and I encouraged him to read Ready to yep. Soar. In fact, I sent him a copy yep. uh, and his, I'm yet to hear back from yeah. him. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it, it might well come. But, it, you know, it's a process. Uh, it's, n- it's, it's not like, oh, let me see if I can paint a picture. I mm. either did or didn't. Creating an enterprise where there's material commercial risk... Mm. Uh, ...people might be employed and, you know, there's a lot of risk around it... ...and there's responsibility... And whenever you create a business, you also have to live within the laws of the land and you've got to know what they are.
1: Nice. Well, maybe this, that's a good time to talk about some Shark Tank. And I'm sure since being on Shark Tank, you get, as you say, a lot more randoms on the street asking you. That was one red flag, you know, bigger than Facebook. Another, You talk about a whole lot of red flags in the book. Oh, there's the 3 billion customers. We only need 0.001% and we'll be billionaires. Mm. What are some other red flags that uh, instant turn-offs?
0: Uh, instant turn-offs for me is when they think they've got all the answers. Mm. Like you want a certain sense of confidence. But actually the reason why you would want investment from one of us is because we can add value to Mm. you. And if you can't listen, leaders listen. Mm. So who are you as a leader? And if that person doesn't demonstrate to me leadership qualities, which is actually about humility uh, and the ability to ask questions, be truly curious... Then it's really not the right place. Mm. Then you want, um, then you just want dumb money. You just want, you know, uh, maybe go just, to, yeah. yeah, maybe go to a bank. Maybe mm. I shouldn't <laughs> say dumb money <laughs> and the bank in the same sentence. Yeah. I might have offended somebody, but never mind about that. But they don't take equity, so that's why they can afford to be a little hands off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so humility is one thing. What other things are? The positive things you go for when you're investing in a, in a business?
0: I'm looking for passion. I'm looking for persistence. I'm looking for a sense of purpose, how they're going to contribute. Uh, and I, I want them to be positive. You know, it's a long, hard journey, if, and if their language isn't positive. Uh, but also, I need them to be realistic. And, you know, finding customers is hard and it's expensive. And when I when I when somebody says to me, "What do you want with the money?" You know, they ask the question, and then they say, "I'm going to spend it on marketing." And of course, I'm a marketing professional. So I said, "So exactly, which part of the funnel are you going to spend that on? What, what, what are really going to do with that?" And they look at me completely blankly. I go mate you don't need money for marketing you need money for education in who you are and mm. you need to find people that you can trust to do that so um you know a bit of marketing is not an answer yeah and uh it's it, marketing as a science it's complex it's sophisticated and it's expensive if you get it wrong
1: mm. love it um you've talked you've talked about a, a whole bunch of books so far good to great um a bit of lean startup was in there i think you we're re- referencing a little bit of Crossing the Chasm maybe. What are some of your uh, favourite books? And I'm guessing you read a lot because there were so many cool stories and quotes um, throughout your book. It's not here. plagiarism,
0: love. You're allowed to actually reference. Yeah. Great. Oh, <laughs> great Uh Great. Um, Abundance I also Abundance. mentioned, of course, because I love that book. Mm. Um, one, I, a gorgeous book um, that I read years ago is a book called Small Giants and mm-hmm. that's a beautiful book. Because it it really validates people who are making Mm -hmm. massive contributions in their community, Um, and not everybody wants to be big. It's about being the world's best at what you want to be in your world. And I just really love that that um, book. I think it's really it's really great. A lot of the work by Seth Godin is is great. I I have referenced many of his works over the years. However, he writes too much. Can't keep up. I've got (laughs) time. Like you know, here's another book. He literally publishes book every yeah. year yeah and it's almost we haven't digested the last one yeah. before he's gone on, I think on he's to the slowing, next.
1: i think he's slowing down he's moving towards online courses yeah he, he, a couple he is ago. Phenomenal. He?
0: Yeah. yeah he's a great guy incredible mind he's like a mind on legs mm. which is is wonderful and the world is very grateful uh to have him and mm. i have referenced his work a lot um so look i've got my favorites i love vern harnish everybody knows that. yes I yeah. what you
1: said, you said um uh, you went to a couple of events as well, yeah?
0: Yeah, way early, in the early
2: days. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. So, with um, Peter Diamandis' book, In Abundance, he's like, in his book, he's very optimistic about the future, despite some of the big challenges that are coming in the world. Are you yourself optimistic about what's coming in the future of, of business with some of the big challenges that might be on the horizon?
0: If I just look at my 20 year journey as an entrepreneur, actually, life was so much simpler. So, Life is more complex. It's so funny, we've got all these labor saving devices, and yet mm. we're busier than ever. Mm. You know, the paperless office never quite came and <laughs> all those sorts of things. So, But when I, when I think to the future, I am excited by the potential of us really nurturing creativity uh, and design and curiosity. And AI doesn't bother me. It doesn't concern me. Automation doesn't mm-hmm. concern me. Um, but what I think people may well struggle with is a sense of purpose because in my parents' generation it was a job for life it was about survival Mm. my generation was far more about how do I want to contribute my children's generation is far more about where do I belong and what are my people and Mm. they're far more driven by values than probably the two previous generations and I think that that's what will either unite us or not Um, Peter speaks very clearly Uh, And he's quite controversial about the fact that we are not moving into utopia. Mm -hmm. Let's not believe that all of this is going to give us equality. Let's not believe it's going to give us all a voice. Uh, And it will still be the survival of the fittest. Mm -hmm. But perhaps it is the survival of the most curious and the ones who are prepared to learn... Education in my world is everything, and that doesn't need to be formal education. I'm not doing a little plug for the University of mm. Melbourne, which I sit on the board, of course. I think, but I, I, I think continual education. And one of the challenges that we have here is there's so much content. How can you tell fact from fiction? Mm. How can you tell crap from creative? Mm. And it's really that's a challenge for us when we just are and I think that's why influencers or people who've done it before become more important because their voice is more valid. They have authority because they've done mm. it before. Uh, too many people are consultants who say they have all the answers when actually you look and they're actually they're, you know, 20-nothing mm. and they've <laughs> never yeah. done anything in their life. And I'm not being rude because it's yeah. good on them for having a crack, but they need to build their authority. Yep.
1: Phenomenal. Um, we've got a heap of to ask, but I reckon that's a phenomenal... That was an awesome little ending there. Um, oh, where, I've got where, more
0: to say. Is that <laughs> it? Great, I'm out.
1: We're about to. Can people find you? You mentioned your blog. Obviously, they can check you out on Shark Tank. Yeah, um, but yeah, where do you want to
0: direct people? Well, you know, if you go to Simpson dot com and you join our huddle. But also, I really want to encourage people to. Um, to align with what their own belief system mm-hmm. is. Like, really, if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, just don't. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously, it's not... Th- A- A- Catherine, my colleague who works with me, she watches me every single day and she goes, seriously, I wouldn't want that life. I quite like this <laughs> life. She <laughs> 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 said that to me this morning. Um, so it's not for everybody. The other thing is that I'm... Uh, the reason why I blog and make it available people, I write, I've got an online training course which you can find at com. The reason why I do this is to just share what I've learned. Mm-hmm. If I can help people, I became role model because there is a dearth of role models. Mm-hmm. And I was very happy to do that job and share what I learned. Mm. So, yeah, that to me is, is success, is when people come up to me and say, hey, I read your books, I did your course, I've started my business, I get what I need to do now. I will do the hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Phenomenal, of love it.
2: Thank you so much, yeah. Naomi. That was
0: fantastic. Okay, I get to go out. Bye. Hey, guys.
2: Adam and Adam here just reminding you of our competition we have going on. So you can win
1: every single book that we read and review this season so some absolute juggernauts three potential ways that you can win
2: yep so the first thing you can do is leave us a review on iTunes the second is to fill out our survey at what you will dot com slash survey and number three just buy a, buy a book and send us an email of just showing that you bought a book
1: yep so we uh, we we love books hope you do too you can win all these books for either yourself or to, to give away to people and change a few lives uh, basically you can enter once or you
0: can enter three times yep get stuck in